All right. Here we are. Rob Bell and Trace Bell. It's good to be back. <laughs> the comeback. The Robcast. This is episode 314. And uh, it was time for you to come back on. Yeah, it felt time, didn't it? It felt right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, hello, everybody. Trace now lives in Northern California, Bay Area. So um, this is, uh, we're doing this long distance and we have all sorts of ground to cover. Speaking of ground covering, I am doing the Everything is Spiritual tour all new this fall. And next stop, the end of this week, is New York City and then Washington, D.C., Monday night. And then couple weeks from now atlanta and nashville and you and, and tina are coming to atlanta and nashville yep we can't wait and you were there opening night we were there opening in night Portland. It was an amazing show and we then, were so proud of what you created oh that means the world and then uh after that san francisco up near you yep and then denver to finish out the year so peoples it's always better when you're there and all the info tickets dates etc at my site but i got trace here so i mean it was funny we were talking about this because we talk pretty much every day. Yep. So it's funny. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about your life. But we were. it's funny how you and I were talking about... I'm asking you questions that I kind of know the answer to, but I also don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But we were, we were talking about how we have to make sure the audience knows that these aren't like questions that you haven't ever asked me or like hearing for the first time because that would be really <laughs> weird if it was... These questions you're about to hear are like... Wait, does Rob not know this? Like, yeah, like Trace, what have you been doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go um, because 2017, you were on the Robcast. Yep. That was a Trace report. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have a speed round for you at the end here. I can't wait. Which we, which, which we haven't done in four years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's when you said we had a speed round. I was like, wait, the mm -hmm. last time we did a speed round on the podcast, I think it was 2017, four years ago. I, yeah. I didn't know if we'd ever do a speed round again. I'm, I'm so excited. So, just those of you, you're out for your run, you're washing the dishes, you're, you know, on your commute to work. Uh, just know that wherever we're going, we're going to end up at a speed round, which is just going to be ugh, so exciting. You always bring it with the speed round <laughs> questions. They're well, I think so this great. one's been crafted within a millimeter of perfection, so I think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> okay, so let, here's, what, here's what I'd like to do. Let's go back two and a half, two years. You're probably a junior, end of junior year of college, and I remember on a Saturday afternoon one time, you said to Mom and I, I... I want to be a spiritual teacher someday. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do remember that. And, and it's, it's interesting because I've actually been telling people this story recently um, in my classes. I remember I was 21 years old. I don't remember what part of the school year it was. Like, I don't remember if it was the end of my junior mm -hmm. year or like kind of beginning of my senior year, maybe the summer in between. But I had that, that kind of best way I can describe it is just that deep intuition. It's like a, just a deep knowing that just kind of like hits you. It's like, like a deep kind of insight that just kind of hits you out of nowhere, but also at the same time, you can have like felt it um, kind of growing inside you for over the past, um, over the past little while. So it was that kind of like paradoxically, like 
an insight that came out of nowhere and also at the same time like oh yeah of course um but i think the i think oh. the language that i used was um i want to i think i m- my purpose here is to uplift consciousness was the language that i originally had which was just kind of another way of saying like i want to be a spiritual teacher but i remember you saying that because you're not like a how would i say this you're not like a declarations kind of person (laughs) is that safe to say (laughs) and you're not like i laugh that um you managed to graduate from college and high school and junior high without going to a ceremony somehow (laughs) like you're just not big on square hats and (laughs) totally (laughs) i don't even know what that's called somebody who just pomp and circumstance isn't your thing yeah (laughs) that took me a while to, to like understand about you but i remember you saying this to mom and I and being like, oh, wow, he's actually, you're actually, uh, this is a thing you're saying here. This is a moment. But I remember you said something like, you said that to us, but I have this memory of you looking at me and saying, dad, I, I kind of want to do what you do, but without the religious baggage. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's <laughs> what I remember about that experience. I is- remember saying, I want to do what you do. Um, and I, I, I didn't, I don't remember saying without the religious baggage, but I love that I said that. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that's my totally. distinct, that's I my distinct it. memory. <laughs> did, um, what did you think, what did you have in your head? What did that mean? Do you know what I mean? What did you picture? Well, that, that was why I knew the, there were a couple of reasons that I knew that insight was so real and that intuition was so real. And one of the reasons why it felt so real is because I didn't exactly even know what it meant or looked like. <laughs> like, the, and, the, and the other one is, I, like you said, I've never been a declaration person. Um, and this is this is what I've been, this is why this, this story has been coming up recently is because I'm doing this class where I'm, I'm it's called Integrated Spaces and I'm teaching people, um, taking people through a class in which they're creating projects and creating spaces. And one of the parts of that, that journey is um, owning your life purpose and really stepping into your your life purpose. And I, I tell the story because I'm like the this this insight and this intuition about my life purpose kind of hit me, but it was really something that was kind of um, almost unfamiliar to me, like you said, because I haven't been a big kind of declaration person, and I didn't even really know what it meant to have this kind of like declaration of what I felt like my life purpose was. So it's been a, a real big journey over the past couple of years of like really stepping into it and really owning it because it hit me. And I like, I, you can't ignore those kind of feelings and those kind of things, those insights that hit you about what you're here to do. But apparently um, you did up till, I mean, you can't, but apparently you're saying you did. Or it just, this was new. This was new. Let me say. Well, well, I couldn't avoid it as in like, oh, okay, let me just like ah, not right. even not even right. say this or just like brush it. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, that's yeah, yeah, just yeah. A, a silly thought or something. Like it was it was so real that I couldn't just kind of brush it away as that. Um, so it really was like uh, a realizing like how interesting it was that that came to me and that hit me so hard. Um, so so life that it's I, I'm glad you brought it up I'm, I'm glad you asked the question of what did you think it even looked like because the truth is like I had no idea that's how it showed me <laughs> that it was real you know because ah. I couldn't get into any of the spe- I couldn't get into any of the specifics or any of the like what does that actually mean for like what what, what does that specifically mean yeah. for your work I just knew it was so real that it's, it was something I had to follow um, and there's there's this interesting kind of paradox about life purposes which is like 
they're clear but also vague at the same time like i'm uh, here to be creative yeah. i'm here to be creative i'm here to um help others i'm here to uh serve others as authentically as possible all those types of life purposes that i've heard from people it's like the the beauty in it is it's like it's clear but also vague at the same time you know like i'm like what is oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i actually uh, um i have a way of naming this i i I think you can call it the dis- difference between impulse and form. Mm, mm-hmm. So there's like the impulse, or you can even say the essence, that th- there's that impulse. Some people are healers. Some mm. people are like, they're here to for order and organization. <laughs> like when they come around, there's like an order that comes that's like deep mm. and fulfilling. Um, some people give expression to the human experience in unique ways. Um some people create, nobody else can see possibilities and they can see possibilities. You think of like the mm-hmm. entrepreneur, that there's these deep impulses that rise up within us that are almost like a tuning fork of who we've always been, but then the form it takes. Yeah. It may take all kinds of different forms and expressions and jobs. And yeah, peop- I'm sure you've seen this, it's easy to get fixated on the form. Yeah. Um, like, no, I have to be a nurse. Actually, you're a healer. Yeah. Nurse is one of yeah. like five million ways that that impulse takes form. So well said, and that that's one of the that's another one of the reasons why the impulse impulse felt so strong is because there was this deep kind of faith that the form would take shape and show itself and become clear over time. It was yeah. like the impulse. The impulse was so real that the questions about form weren't even like they were just like, well, the, the, those will it, 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 those will take care of themselves, and the form yeah. will begin to take shape. Oh, um, that's so interesting. Now, um, just just when we were talking about doing this episode, uh, I remember saying to you we should talk about how UCLA played a role in this, and you said that you have been talking about and exploring the effect UCLA had on you more even now than earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that intuition about that I'm, and that, that life purpose came to me while I was at UCLA. Um, and while I was at UCLA, I was very kind of, uh, I was very kind of wrapped up in some of my frustrations, frustrations about it and wrapped up in some of my frustrations about, um, how kind of soulless a lot of it felt and kind of how hollow a lot of it felt. It was a very mind-dominated culture, a very kind of focus much more on form rather than impulse, you know, like like you just said, like the, um, pe- the I want to be a nurse. No, actually, you want to be a healer. Like there's the, the fixation on the nurse. There's a fixation on the form. Um, and there felt like there was a, a really strong fixation on the form, but there wasn't really a lot of impulse. There wasn't really a lot of like, deeper, deeper kind of calling and deeper kind of, um, there wasn't really, there, it was missing some of those deeper aspects of reality Um, at UCLA because it was, it was great. And and all the way, it it helped me hone certain skills, like as far as research skills, writing skills, reading skills, like all those kind of academic kind of left brain skills really helped me hone. And I'm very grateful for that, but it was so only, um, 
it, it was such a mind dominated and kind of just like intellect associated and intellect dominated culture that it, that it felt like it was just missing those like really deeper aspects of what it means to be human and what it means to have this life. So I, so now, um, now looking back on it, I can see that it was actually a tremendous gift for me to see what that culture looks like and being that mind dominated looks like and being only associated with the head looks like because I, I was like so in it and so um, I, so frustrated by how hollow it felt that it really even propelled me more into this work. It's like you went to the brain Olympics. Yes. And like won gold, but you're like, I don't, this isn't the game to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Remember, I remember, do you remember telling me about two roommates who you were enjoying some of the content and some of your classes and they couldn't wrap their minds around that. Yeah. So, so I was, a, I was, a, I do remember that. Yeah. I was, I was a political science major and I had two of my roommates who were also political science majors. So we were in some of the same classes, um, which was really nice because it's nice to, you know, be in classes with people, you know, and um, be able to talk about stuff with them. But I remember that I would, they were really, really good at like the X's and O's of the class. Like, you know, what does the teacher want? How, how many, how many words does this essay need to include? How many, um, what do I need to do to, to fill the requirements? And I, I was able to do that. But I remember when I would actually like start having like opinions about the stuff yeah. we were reading or opinions about like the stuff the teacher was saying and like the actual like material and like actually the back getting, and like, forth engaging the back and forth engagement with the material. Like, wasn't that interesting? And, and, and it was so it was so illuminating and interesting to me to see how that was like a foreign concept to them. Like the idea that I would be engaged with the actual material and be kind of enlivened by the actual material that they were teaching. Because that was one of my favorite things about being a political science major is that I actually really enjoyed the stuff that I was learning. I enjoyed the the political science um my, my political science professors and these topics and I enjoyed um, the writing aspect of it and, and the argumentative aspect of it. So that, those were really parts I really loved about my major. And it was interesting, the actual like passion for the material was like such like a foreign concept to it. And it wasn't just them, it was to a lot of people that I met that it was like, no, no, this is just like a, like a box I'm kind of checking. Like this class is just like a box I'm checking. Like there was no kind of um, soul like en engagement with the actual material and it was like very fascinating to me to see like oh wow they're only they're only viewing these classes in this material as like like a hoop I'm jumping through it's not actually about the learning and like the the thinking about the material and actually letting it like having an opinion about it and actually letting it like sink in it's just about how do I actually get through this class and it was that was something that I noticed a lot um yeah I remember you telling me about an uh, one of the UCLA alumni, an all-star alumni, came back to give a lecture. <laughs> and he talked about how he'd been so successful. And I, I remember you telling me that one of his lines was, hey, I mean, sometimes you got to miss your kids' birthdays, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that and, was and, just a very straightforward to the students. Like, yeah, if you want it bad enough, if you're going to be the best, and, you know, sometimes you miss your kids' birthdays. Totally. And, and I you, were like, you were like, <laughs> wait. Why didn't people start throwing things at him? Like, this is what he was saying to them. Like, hey, this is just how it is. Yeah, that, that I actually give that guy, I was actually very grateful for that guy. I give that guy a lot of credit because he came in and, and actually really just said it like it is. And he wasn't saying like, he wasn't saying it in like the sense of like, 
like a, he's proud of the fact that he was missing his kids' birthdays or like, oh, that's that means you're working really hard. I mean, he was saying that means you're he was saying that that means you're working really hard, but he wasn't saying it as like a like a badge of honor. He was just went in there and was like really real. But it was interesting that the reaction of the class, the reaction of the class wasn't like, oh, what a weird system we have here that to be successful, it means like missing out on some of, uh, life. of the most important moments of, right. of life. It was like, oh, that's just the way it is. That's just the way the system is. It was like, there was like a, there was sort of like an acceptance in the room of that premise, which I found fascinating. Cause I was like, oh, I, first of major credit that guy, because that guy was just telling it like it is. And I think he was doing, like it us is a really for important gift. Um, and he, there was a lot of pain too. And when he was talking about like, you know, I have, to, I've had to miss a lot of important things because of, because of my work. But it was interesting. The reaction was not like, oh, this is saying something, there's, there's something profoundly wrong with this system of achievement we have here. There was just this, oh, that's just the way things are. You know, that's what you have to do. And I was like, oh, I don't, this is not a world that I want to be a part of or advocate for, you know? Yeah, I just remember mom and I would talk about watching you having these experiences of a, it was, it was like a system. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a water that, people were swimming in and it was like we were watching you sort of drag keep dragging yourself up onto the beach and look back at the water and go i think that water is like really toxic some of the some of it elements of it are really toxic yeah yeah it was absolutely yes and and we learn we learn by contrast so on our on our journeys we learn we don't learn just from like the great happy moments where everything is going yeah. amazing. You know, we learn from the moments that are frustrating and most painful and, and the things when, when they're, we're kind of blasted in the face with some of the um, dysfunction and um, yeah. things that, that we're not for. And that's what I, th that's been really interesting having some space from UCLA. I really have a sort of deep love for the role that it played on my journey um, and a deep love for how hollow and soulless that <laughs> system felt, you know, because without it, like if it wasn't, who knows? I mean, if, if it was appealing then I might've stayed in that system and stayed trapped like a lot of people are. Um, yeah. but I'm like, I'm like, thank, I'm like genuinely thankful that it was like comically kind of <laughs> like, it was almost like, like, so kind of like, like cartoonishly kind of like hollow in certain areas. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that sort of like, comical almost like cartoonish aspect of how ridiculous it was because it was like really showed me yeah um, put me on this path and <laughs> just another thought i had is um i've been i i haven't grown up with serious religious baggage and having to deconstruct religious beliefs and having to deconstruct a whole kind of religious world that i grew up in that felt oppressive but this so this was a this was kind of like my version of that in a way of growing up in a system that was flawed in a lot of ways that, mm, I, that pointed me into another direction. And it's, it's interesting because I, I work with a lot of people who grew up um, in religious environments and they've had a whole kind of deconstruction process. Um, and I've been able to relate to them in the sense that I've had my own kind of version of that um, with kind of just in a different world. It wasn't a religious world. It was a more kind of mind-dominated kind of academic world. Um, what do people say when you say that you didn't grow up in a religious world or with religious baggage? Does everybody expect that coming from you or does that surprise them? It surprises some people. Um, some people un kind of get it un and, and understand right off the bat. Uh, people definitely want to know more about what I mean by that. 
Um, I think a lot of people are relieved. Um, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, interesting. You know, like, Oh, like good. I think a lot of people, um, really are, are relieved to see a younger person not dealing with some of the same kind of religious baggage that, that they dealt with too. Um, Mm, yeah, um, but definitely the, the the reactions have definitely been very interesting to that, um, to that when I say that. Okay, I have more questions about that, but I ha- but but let's um, I want to go back a little bit. Can I go back just a minute? Okay, yeah. so you you graduate from UCLA without wearing a square hat, but it was also <laughs> COVID, so you got a it pass. was also COVID. Yeah, okay. so I, I had a bit of an excuse to not go to that graduation. <laughs> and I remember you talking about all right, I'm ready, I'm ready for something, and we discussed. Well, let's just create a master's program. <laughs> yep. So I get you a huge stack of books. Mom has a stack of books. I was like, well, let's. Sh-. I remember just saying, well, you probably should get a lay of the land. And you start reading a book a day. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like, I mean, you start reading everything from, I mean, you go like, way i mean you're reading mystics all the way to eckhart tolle to john philip newell to i think there was a marianne williamson book floating around like i watched you just book uh ken wilbur obviously like you just started knocking down a book every couple days yeah what as you saw like okay here are spiritual wisdom traditions here are sacred texts remember you reading the upanishads reading like here are different ways different lineages have approached meditation remember you reading ramdas i remember you reading about the book of genesis like you were just like this sort of full expansive when you look back on that period when you were and i remember you i would see you taking notes and <laughs> what yep. was it like to just here is how human beings have a, understood and approached and talked about being spiritual beings. When you look back on that period, what, what stands out? Oh, man, so many things. Yeah, at first, I got so excited about this idea of like, Trace, you could just create kind of like a master's course in spirituality <laughs> yourself. And I was like, okay, let's look around now. Okay, I have, uh, I have my mom and my dad. I have Professor Rob and Professor Kristen. Like, what, what books are you assigning for this class, you know? Like, like, you know how per- different classes, different professors would assign different materials. So you and you and mom both gave me different, different stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was one of those things where it was, this was in the, the summer during COVID, um, mm-hmm. and every, it was locked down and I was like, you know, I have, have all this, we're inside. We're not able to really go out, like just throw yourself into learning throw you, there's, there's a, there's a truth at the heart of human experience that, that humans have been um, putting humans have been articulating and putting their own words across all different cultures and in old spiritual texts and modern spiritual texts. Um, and the diversity, the diversity of the ways that people talk about spirit and talk about God, talk about consciousness um, was so fun for me to explore. There was, I, I was just blown away by, I knew there were, I knew there were amazing teachers out there and, and so many amazing authors out there, but just being able to, um, just read so many of them and just being able to find all these amazing teachers who are talking about spirituality in all these unique ways. So I purposely read, I I purposely tried to read across like a a wide, um, a wide variety of different authors 
and and teachers. Uh, but that was that was really really fun and and uh, opened so many doors for me as far as just understanding the different ways that people talk about all this. Who stands uh, out? Can you think of somebody who, when you read it, them you were like, does anybody stand out that you just started in and you were like, oh god, this is like it was like a jolt. It was like a thrill to read somebody talking like they were talking. Yeah, e Eckhart Tolle's simplicity really was like really uh, profound. Yep. Um, Ken Wilber, just the, just, I mean, Ken Wilber's just how, how fascinating and how just, I mean, I'm reading Ken Wilber is like, how does a, how does a human <laughs> being that thinks like this even like exist? You know, and it's right. just like, kind of like, right. it's like watching it. Ken Wilber reminds me of like watching kind of like a, like an athlete in their prime in which you're like, how is a human being even like doing this? You know, it's just, how does incredible. somebody with this kind of exp with this kind of expansive, whatever how do they put their pants on yeah in the morning you know what i mean yeah. they had that um, thought and then they had a burger yeah you know what i mean yeah just, and uh, then what to to me i mean one of one of my favorite parts about all that reading was as i started reading and doing more research i was able to find other teachers and find other authors that i yeah. didn't even know about and and to me rupert spira oh uh, English non-dual teacher he the, his book nature of consciousness yep um was the first I, I, it's hard for me to even really articulate what that yep. book means to me, but it it put spiritual. It's like it felt like there was a book on spirituality that was speaking almost like a language that I didn't even know. It was like a language almost tailored for my um, fascinations and my wonder and awe with reality and consciousness. It, it it was his his books were really the most. That that was really like a very transformative moment discovering him and discovering his books. You um, know, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this, but there was the moment when you started reading, when you like blew past our reading lists. <laughs> you know, like you were following, you were like reading endnotes, and that was taking you. There was a moment like in the Millennium Falcon when he, when Han Solo flips that button and they go to light speed. I feel like there's a moment when you found that button and then you just. Um, the Nature of Consciousness by Rupert Spira was one of the first that you read, and I noticed you reading it, and then I read it, and he put so many things, he gave language to so many things I had been mm. talking for years around the edges of. Mm, mm -hmm. Even Everything is Spiritual he gave me a whole it's almost like he went oh this is what you've been doing the whole time rob mm -hmm. by the way just for the record yeah you know what i mean um but there was a really interesting thing that happened to me when suddenly what you were where you were going was like echoing back to me mm -hmm. and and taking me into all these new places mm. that was a that was a big moment for me yeah, that, that's a thank. Thank you for saying that. That's amazing to hear. And and yeah, that that was one of the the like I said, that was one of my favorite parts of all that reading was actually finding that there are there's certain language around spirituality yeah. that actually touches me in different ways. Like, it, and and that's one of the the most beautiful and expansive aspects of spirituality is that like we're all such different, unique beings. And we all have different, like different language touches us in different ways. And there's certain yeah. language that works better for other people. It's all pointing to the same truth. But that was really one of the, like my favorite discoveries in all of that is like, 
oh god like exploring this even deeper you can even find you can find stuff that even speaks more and more to you um do you remember one night we were on the couch watching tv and you were talking about deepak Chopra? And we were talking about, like, because you were, like, getting it, like, like, where is so-and-so sort of fit? Where is so-and-so coming from? And Do you remember me being like, well, let's text him and ask him? And then <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. he texted me. We were back, in Ohio. We were and in I was Ohio. like, I watch that. this. Watch this. He's amazing. Guaranteed he will text back within, like, two minutes. <laughs> and then he texted back, and his response was, like, so perfectly Deepak and you and I just on the couch. Do you remember how hard we were laughing? I mean, he responded in like twenty seconds. Right, or right, right. Like that. And like, I was like, was "Watch like... this. He'll he'll put the ball through the he'll put the ball in the goal." And then he just came back strong. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. He's 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 great. I love Deepak. <laughs> oh my word, that is awesome. That is awesome. So then, I remember you started. Uh, you and I started doing these Saturday morning teachings and doing Robcast together. Um, and I remember you had these ideas about kids and spirituality. Like you were like, I'm going to start, a, I'm going to do a class for parents. Um, how did you know? Because I remember you and I talking about it at the beginning. Like, yeah, that'd probably really help. Like talking about how much anxiety... I've noticed and you've noticed parents have about like almost this feeling like they're supposed to hand their kid something, but what do they hand their kid and the thing they were handed, they don't want to hand their kid. And how did you know how to, how did you know how to make a class? I mean, you've obviously been in our house. So you, so making things and communicating has been sort of the air that we breathe around here, but still, I don't remember. I remember initial conversation about that class, which how many people have, I mean, you've done that class how many times now? Oh man! Uh, it seems like you're always teaching that class. Yeah, I, I'm not doing it on Zoom anymore. I just have the audio on my site um, for for download. But I think I did the Zoom. I mean, close to like 20 times. It was a lot. I mean, how did you know how to make a class for parents about like how did you? I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for 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 all the classes, I've I've kind of taken the perspective that. I'm inviting people to an experience. I'm inviting people to come with me on an experience. And the, the best way to create an experience for someone is to, to go back to my own experience. So with, with kids and spirituality, all I did was just go, go to my experience of growing up in, um, in the household that I did and just go back to my journey. So um, all, the, all the wisdom and insight and advice I had for parents was just going back to what worked for me. Um, so like with, with all the things that I do, it, I, I, I come from the perspective that I'm inviting people to an experience. I'm not promising them anything. I'm not promising that, Hey, this is, this is going to be the perfect way to talk to your kids about spirituality. This is going to fix, this is going to fix all your issues. This is going to solve mm-hmm. all your mm-hmm. you know problematic thoughts. It simply is just inviting people to an experience of, um, here, here's my experience with this. Here's some insights I've gained. Here's some wisdom I've gained. I hope it helps you. Uh, so I really just, I really just stuck to that. I stuck to what felt truest in my heart, what felt most important on my journey. Um, I, I liked, I really liked having talking to parents from the perspective of a kid. Like it's not a parent talking to a parent about what worked for their kids. It's a kid talking to parents about what worked (laughs) for them. So it was like a really like unique, 
Uh, yeah. It was a really unique kind of uh, point of view that I was able to share with them. What's the number one really question? Sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt there. No, you didn't. What's the number one question parents have? Um, is there, the a, is there one... a question that you always know is going to come up? Um, I don't think there's a question that I always knew was going to come up. I think there were a couple common questions. And I think a common one... I mean, definitely a common one was parents asking me what they, they, they have created this really kind of expansive, curious household and curious environment where their kids are allowed to explore and find their own spiritual path. Um, but they live in a community or environments outside the household that are uh, kind of pushing things on their kids yeah. that are kind of um, not what their household is about. So yeah. kind of more strict, dogmatic, religious beliefs. Um, so that was definitely a common theme that parents, uh, that, that came up among parents. Um, and for that, I just continued to, to talk. I continued to stress and emphasize just how important developing a foundation of communication with your kids and developing a foundation for why you have created the household you have, um, and, and really giving your kids the heart behind the why of why you're parenting the way you are. So when their kids are off in other, um, environments that may be kind of pushing more kind of uh, more strict kind of religious aspects yeah. on them. The kids are really like, they have like a strong foundation and they know why their, oh, got it. their parents aren't pushing that on. Um, I mean, definitely a lot of people asking me questions about um, my experience with the church growing up and how involved I was with the church growing up. Cause that was something they were curious about. Cause in the talk I was kind of told them like, I, I, I use this word called doorways when I say that everyone has their own doorway into spirituality so everyone has their own kind of thing that brought them into spirituality or their doorway. So I've heard you and mom talk about how your doorway was organized religion. You actually came into spirituality through organized religion, kind of grew out of the like strict organized religious context into a deeper spirituality. Um, and I talked about how my doorway was just these deep kind of curious questions, these deep um questions about the world. Why is there something rather than nothing? What is consciousness? Like I just, there was this deep kind yeah. of fascination and wonder and awe with the universe and reality. So I, I talk about how all, as you, as we move into a deeper spirituality and spirituality is so expansive, there's all these different doorways that kids can come into spirituality through. And as a parent, it's their job to um, pay attention to the questions their kids are asking, what's bringing their kid wonder and awe, What's it, paying attention to what could be giving them a sign as to what their kid's doorway is into spirituality. Oh, um, very interesting. So a lot of parent, a lot of parents were interesting about my experience with the church because I was like, my doorway into spirituality was not the church. My doorway into spirituality was just these kind of deeper, deeper questions and 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 just fascinate uh, fascination with um, life, consciousness, reality. Like it just was. Um, so that that was a question that's asked. Another question that was asked a lot was. Um, parents who said, Hey, Trace, I love everything you're saying, but, um, I, I'm part of a religious structure that works really well for me. Like, but I don't want to push it on my kids. I want to give my kid autonomy, but what do I do if this thing really works for me? Um, being a part of a certain religion really works for me, but I don't want to push it on my kid. And I, I just told them, um, what I would repeatedly tell them was, uh, just, just being honest about your communication for why that works for you. Why does following the Jesus message 
work for you? How does following the Jesus message make you a better human, make you a better parent, making, make you a more loving human, make you a more loving parent? If you just authentically communicate that to your kids, you're not pushing anything on them. You're just telling them why it works for you and you're giving them the freedom and the autonomy to have their own doorway. But just this, this authentic communication for why things work for you. And then, and then the most important thing and the, the, the theme that, that kept coming up was um, how, how is your spirituality, how is your religious identification, how is that actually making you a better human and how is your kid picking up on that? Because as a parent, you're the role model, you're the example, and your kid can pick up what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So I just kept yeah. taking it back to the parents. Like, whatever you want to give your kids, if it's a sense of something greater, <laughs> if it's a connection to the universe, if it's a sense of wonder and awe, how are you living all those things? How are you exemplifying all of those things? Yeah. Um, Dude, that's, man, that's great. I love hearing you. you. I love hearing you talk about that. That is, oh, God, that's awesome. Oh, man, everybody can feel my dad smiles right now. <laughs> okay, a couple other things before we get to speed round. Um, can we move on? Because I got a couple other yeah. things I want to talk about. Um, yeah. Okay, and then somewhere in there, you and I do the me, we, and everybody, Robcat, about stages, spaces. Actually, we kind of reclaimed, reclaimed it from stages to spaces that are all present within a human. And that's, I don't know episodes the end of 290 something i think we did four four or five yep. epi four episodes um and then somewhere in there you found a partner tina who we all love um and ser seriously people tina she joined our pod we all adore her and love her so much and so you and your partner slash then teaching partner you start creating all of these um, classes on these living the spiral. Yeah. And that feels like the, t and then people, like from what I can tell, people, the classes that two of you, when you two team up, it's like, what was that like to start doing those classes with her? Oh, that was incredible. I mean, that, that's been one of my, my favorite parts. Uh, shout um, out to Tina, uh, by the way. Big. Shout out to Tina. She's the best. Yeah. Yes. Um, so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Being able to, being able to create that living the spiral course with Tina was, was incredible. That was, I work, I working with people and doing sessions with people, spiral dynamics kept coming up and people wanted to know more about spiral dynamics and people really wanted to know how to practically implement the lessons of spiral dynamics and, um, the model and the framework into their own life. Um, and I was like, I want to, I want to start creating things where I can like follow up with people and actually take them on like a journey and experience. So yeah. we came up with, um, living the spiral because, well, I, we came up with it because I was teaching, I was doing quick presentations to, of spiral dynamics to organizations. I was being brought in on zoom to do, um, presentations and just teach organizations what the spiral is and just give them a basic overview. And Tina really helped me craft those presentations and she helped me she, she, through helping me craft those presentations, it's like she gave me such a deeper understanding of the spiral just because of her intuitive abilities and just her, um, just her, her way of just understanding it on like a very deep, intuitive and practical level. And we were like, why don't we create an actual experience around this? Why don't we yeah. create a, a course called Living the Spiral, which is actually about taking spiral dynamics and making it as practical, practical and applicable to people's lives as possible. So it was a seven week course in which each week, 
we covered one stage of the spiral and we covered the health and the unhealth and did activities around it and actually showed people how to actually integrate. We, we, our goal in living the spiral was to um, help usher people into integration, that second tier consciousness where they've integrated the health of all of these different stages. So living the spiral and spiral dynamics was sort of like a vehicle for us just, just helping people live more healthy, whole aligned yeah. lives. So yeah. it was a great opportunity to, to get to teach people spiral dynamics in more depth and just use that as a vehicle to actually work with people in um, kind of a, a setting where we're, we're working with them consistently and actually taking them on a journey of an experience of transformation. And what, um, like you've done a bunch of those classes. Yes. Like what yeah. is, because I read on your site, there's descriptions of people have taken those classes and people <laughs> are like, yeah, this pretty much changed my whole life. I mean, it's unbelievable the things people are, are saying what is that like for you to witness because like whenever when I, you, I'm, you and i've talked about this whenever you meet somebody who's cynical about humanity who's like no one's doing anything but like when you and i get to interact with people like this we're like no no, no there's like people out there there's lots and yeah. lots and lots of people out there who are like really serious and are doing amazing things and are very honest and are working through their pain like how does this how has this shaped how you see the world having all these interactions with people? Mm, great question. Yeah, it, it's, um, I totally I mean, I already, that question. I totally I, set the question up and let it. I'm sorry. I, I already <laughs> had, no, no, it was a great question. I already had tons of hope and optimism about people. Um, and so, so it, it only just fueled that even more. Um, I think the, the thing that was really, um, interesting about creating living the spiral is like we created this whole course and we were like 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 anytime you create something you're like okay i got it i'm gonna put it out in the world but you don't know what's i mean you don't like i didn't know if people were gonna sign up and come i didn't know if people were gonna like it i didn't know if people were gonna be engaged those are all questions and those are all kind of um i don't want to say fears but those are all kind of things that just sit in the back a little bit of like hey, there's a kind of a big question mark around any time you create something. And that was the case with Living the Spiral. We were like, we're just going to try this. We're gonna, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We were just, I mean, it, it, it exceeded our expectations tenfold. I mean, just how engaged people were, how much people were loving it, um, how willing people were to really be introspective and really grow throughout it. I mean, um, both Tina and I are one of our favorite parts of it is just watching the growth of people throughout seven weeks. Cause seven weeks is like consider uh, it's, it's a decent amount of time. I mean, it's almost yeah. two months. Um, you're actually like really seeing people like change from, from week, from the first session to the last yeah. session. Yeah, yeah. Like you're really seeing people change. And that was the most fun part is like, wow, like creating an experience where people really have like a, like a transform. And it was, it's been the same for us. I mean, Tina and I talk about how we, we, we do the activities and we do the, we go through the experience with the people. Um, and we change through them too. Like we grow and transform. Yeah. Um, and and seeing seeing all those having all those people write about their experience was one of my favorite parts. I mean, just seeing people that I had such a great time with um, and have so much respect for uh, write those things about something I created was just like I mean that's that's I I couldn't ask for anything more than that. You know, like it's just so amazing to see those words were said about something that I created. Um, it's really really powerful. <laughs> By the way, I mean, as you know, I came from a world where I was trained to be an expert, and then the expert stands up there with a microphone and tells people the stuff they've know. You mean it's like you study and you learn stuff, and then you try to blow people's minds, basically? 
um, especially when you're young and you're sort of, can I do this? And you want to impress people, et cetera. It took me about the past 30 years to learn that when I'm actually teaching, I'm learning more than -hmm. anybody I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, I think it took you three months just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> like you're talking about how you're doing these classes and you're, it's like this dynamic exchange in which everybody together is going to new places. And yeah. And it's, it's taking you about, I think that will take you about three months to pick up. It only took me th- 30 years. So I think we've cut down the learning time there slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that just goes back to my, my, um, perspective where I'm, I'm inviting people to an experience. I'm not, I'm not inviting people to something where they're the student and I'm the teacher and I'm just teaching at them. I'm inviting them to an experience with me. Um, and, and yes, me you. going on that, me going on that experience is a, is a integral part yeah. of, of their learning of my learning. It's, it's getting, when, when you see the interconnectedness of everything and you see how nothing's actually really separate, you understand that as you as a teacher, you have to be going through the experience with the people you're taking the experience. Yeah. With the people you're taking through the experience. Um, it's it's necessary because your growth and your transformation is intimately intertwined with their growth and transformation. So true. I just I just love how many things that I grew and mom and I grew and learned into over a long period of time. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, I had the benefit of watching you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's so really though. A lot it's, of it's so cool. Influenced by you guys, but yeah, thank okay, you. Okay, so, well, I mean, it's just amazing to watch. Now, I mean, obviously, mom and I, and you and Tina, like we talk every day. I mean, there's always a speakerphone going of some combination <laughs> of the four of us um, talking. It seems like all, like every day, multiple times a day, but I swear, it's, it, it's so many days when you're like, yeah, we have a living, living the spiral class today. Like how many, yeah. you've, I, you've done so many of these. Then, then now there's integral spaces, which is like the next sort of phase. Is that right? Yeah. The integrated spaces is, um, where, where people that were in living the spiral, the, uh, people that went through that whole living the spiral experience, their natural response was like, okay, how do I bring, how do I bring this into my work? I actually want to create a space I want to create spaces um, in my life because I, I I need to find and create spaces where I can connect with others on this. So by spaces yeah. we mean like it could be an actual we're working we're working with people right now who are creating an actual like spiritual community like an actual physical place where people are meeting. We also just mean spaces as in like spaces to contemplate and think. So podcasts, books, articles. Um, we're, we're working with with people who are are sharing their story on, on websites and articles. There's w- w- people were. Um, it was just that we just noticed that a natural response was how do I actually create, how do I bring integration into a space and actually create an integrated space? So that's what we've been doing as well is helping people with their creation processes. I've noticed how um, many business people are drawn to what you guys are doing. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're working with um, organizations and, and heads of businesses that are, um, we're helping them integrate the spiral and integrate everything we talked about um, and living the spiral and all the, that's um, fascinating. All the all the growth that we've we've been taking people through. So it's it's so much fun to just meet. Like there's just people that do all different types of things from all over. Yeah. All over the world, and and just seeing all this these all this diversity and variety of people that all are are kind of maturing to these these levels of growth. 
um, is so inspiring and so fun to just go on this journey with them. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. I love it. I love it. And I knew people would love to hear more in depth what you're up to because I love how you just keep creating new things. Cause you said there's a heart, it's a heart and mind. There's a new thing you were talking about the other day. Yeah, we have a, we have a new uh, class, just a, a one-off on Zoom called Head to Heart, which you actually gave the gave us the idea for. Um, because oh, that's we were, right. All three of us were talking about what were what were some common themes we noticed in working with people, and one of the common themes was people want to live less from their head and more from their heart. Um, people, a lot of people feel kind stuck of um, in the head, stuck and trapped in their head, and their their thoughts control a lot of their. Uh, behavior and orientation towards things. And, and a, there's a deep kind of desire to live more from the heart, which has been a huge part of my journey is, is learning to live less from the head and move more into the heart. Um, so Where the heart gets integrated. The head gets integrated. The intellect gets, yep. it's not like you leave the intellect behind. It just, it it's serving something larger than itself. Yeah. Yeah. The head becomes a, a servant rather than the master. Oh um, man. So well said. Oh man. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh God such dad smiles all around i know people are laughing about my dad smiles but okay um i feel like it's time for speed round oh let's do it i love hearing about what you're up to but now i feel like we need to talk about sports <laughs> okay i'm ready <laughs> is there any other way to end this episode but to talk about sports okay you ready yep um question number one will this is, i'll start with nba Okay. Okay. <laughs> look at you. I, I, I love that I'm about to probably do some predictions that like people will be able to look back. Like I might okay. just be look so stupid with some of these predictions, but I love it. Over under on Kyrie Irving playing for the Nets this season. Over under is I don't like, even know what I mean by over under there. I think, do you I think, think over Kyrie, under is like when you have to list a number, but um, okay, forget that. Kyrie for As that. I set it up, I was Ooh. like, I think I'm setting up something that can't be done. Um, do you think Kyrie Irving is going to suit up for the Nets, or do you think Steve Nash is like, forget it, I don't want this the, nonsense? Uh, this is this is a this is a great first one because it, I, I there's, there's a video recently of, of Kyrie playing like pickup football in some like random yard, like right before the season started. <laughs> like, like he's just like <laughs> running routes in some random yard. It's totally weird. Um, By the way, all of you who I, loved that integral consciousness spirituality talk, we're now gonna just gonna talk about sports here at the end. We're just gonna talk about sports. Yeah, you gotta you gotta balance it out. You can't only talk about you know. Oh like no, this is reflective of what you and I talk. I think this podcast is perfectly reflective of what you and I talk about. Yeah, it's like thirty percent spirituality, like seventy percent sports. Maybe the nature of um, consciousness. What about the Celtics? Okay, but the Nets here. Um, Kyrie, oh, what do you sorry, think yeah, is gonna happen? Um, I think he is. I think he. I think he. I think he's gonna miss a a couple games here, and then I think he is gonna end up playing. He'll get the vax. Him. He'll get vax. I think and he'll, he'll show up. I think he'll get the vaccine, and I think he'll show up. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of showing up, question number two: NBA. Will Ben Simmons? suit up for the 76ers before or after Kyrie or never? I don't think he is. I, I think never. That one's done. That one's cooked. I, I think that one's I think that one's too done. I will be genuinely shocked if he ends up playing for the 76ers. I don't I energetically don't know how that's possible for him to keep playing. The, the energy and the, the juju is too bad with him and that team. Um if Correct. the 76ers are smart, they figure out how to get 
that they figure out how to trade him because I don't think that's good for anyone if he ends up playing for them. Right, like you think about, well, everything is spiritual. How, when you have stunk up the gym, how you would repair that with your teammates and coaches and everything? I mean, it's very clear that his that at least Joel Embiid like really doesn't talk to him or doesn't respect him. I just don't know how you can have two stars. It just is. I don't think yeah. it's doable. Um, and I yeah. think that I I just don't know why. I mean, I understand he's under contract, but I think it's weird that they're kind of the 76ers have this idea that he's it's going to like get fixed like no this situation's done yeah oh man okay continue with nba will the warriors reclaim what percentage of their former glory with clay steph and draymond back on the court together at some point this season what percentage of the former glory can they recapture 30%, 40% Really? I think it's, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think they can ever get, I think that, that chapter is done as far as them being. Splash I, Brothers, I think, Draymond now holding I think the middle. Yeah. The Warriors front office is so good, I think they could get a couple pieces to put around Steph, but if you're asking the question, like that core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond and nine, reclaiming, right, that team. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's weird now that my the the area I live now the the home team is the Warriors. Like it's weird how much I've not your favorite team. How, how much time I've I've spent <laughs> yeah. disliking the Warriors, and now I'm like surrounded by a bunch of Warriors fans. <laughs> oh, that is that's some serious poetry. Okay, uh, fourth NBA question: What is the Lakers' prognosis in terms of age of players and durability? and making it to the finals. I'm a little concerned, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to overreact over just that game one. I, I never think it's a good idea to overreact right. early in an a NBA A game in season. October, right. Um, I I just think the NBA season is so long. I, I mean, it depends how much they rest throughout the season. Um, but I'm I'm not bought in on them winning, going to the finals. I'll say it. I'll, I... Ah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they do make it, but I'm definitely not bought in. I definitely don't think they're a lock. Yeah. Whew. I know this one's gonna be this one is gonna be so interesting. But I do love the team. I will say watching oh. Carmelo come watching Carmelo come in for the Lakers was like a genuinely just awesome moment. Rondo like comes like, back. Possible five or six Hall of Famers on the court at the same time. Like, like the team is just awesome to watch. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I love what they put together. I just, I'm not bought in on them like going to the finals. Okay, now from the NBA, Trace Bell. Let's move to English Premier League soccer. Oh yay! The, uh, the greatest sport on the planet. Um, do you think that Liverpool will come to financial terms with Salah? And Mohamed Salah will stay at Liverpool long term because their um, wage structure. Oh, great question. Their wage structure, they're owned by Boston Sports Group, is very. It's almost like Moneyball. It's a sense of which they're they're very 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 intelligent and they don't overpay. And you have Salah playing out of his mind. And how does how does an institution that's so rigorous about how it structures itself deal when a player becomes this transcendent you know what i mean yeah yeah it's the race is a fantastic question great question um and i'm I, i'm not saying this to try to set off liverpool fans but i i think he's going to be a real madrid player oh 
I think Bold Real Madrid. Take. I, I think Real Madrid is gonna their resurgence is gonna be signing Mbappe and Salah. Oh my word! Yep, that that was a. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Ooh, I gotta recover. So, from something that about one. Salah just seems like a. It just he just seems like a future Real Madrid player. I, I just. Wow. That's the way it feels. To okay. Me. I, I gotta just. That's that's. Ooh. Okay. Ready. Jose Moreno goes to Roma. How long does he last there? Uh, three or four years. I'm, and then I'll go four years. I'll go four years. I think I think he does. I think he does a decent job. I think he I I think he does a decent job at Roma. Um, and I think that really okay. I don't think it's I don't think it's a, a disaster like some of the other previous ones were. <laughs> I, I'm also just saying that as a big Jose fan, though, so I'm kind of like trying to speak into existence. <laughs> oh, by the way, the last episode of season two of Ted Lasso, there is I would guess it is a clear reference to Jose, and I'm sure mm. someone's you're going to hear somebody mention what happens to one of the characters at the end. Anyway. Side note, here we go. Odds of Messi at PSG going far in Champions League. They smell so much to me like a team that's going to lose out in the <laughs> rounds. I, I don't, I just don't, PSG, I just never have any confidence in them. Um, and there's just something about, I, I just, I, I think they're a quarterfinal or semifinal loss. So you think... Ramos, Messi, and Mbappe don't take Champions League. You don't see I that. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're tested. I don't think they're tested enough in the in the in regular league. league play, French league I, play. I just and I and what, from what I've seen from them, I, I mean, I know it's early in the season, but from what I've seen from them, I just don't have a lot of confidence. <laughs> that yeah yeah I, I resonate with that. I laugh about all the people who dropped out of this episode by now. And that yeah yeah I get it. And all the other people who are like, oh my god, this is so much fun to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, here we go. First player to move to the MLS. Who goes first? Ramos or Ronaldo? Ramos. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think Ronaldo still has a I think Ronaldo still has a couple of years. I think Ramos will go sooner. See, I love that you have such strong okay. And that's that's a that's a that's a that's solid. I can see that. Okay, one more from the English Premier League. You ready? Okay, I left I left this one for the very end. Odds on Ole making it to the end of the season as manager <laughs> of Manchester United. This might be the toughest question because every time he's on the hot seat, yep. somehow that it's uncanny that every right. time he's about to be fired. The team somehow pulls out some magic. They must, they must just love him because they really step up every time it looks like he's about to be gone. Um, I, I don't think he's gonna make it. I, I, or oh, really? I, I, I think he's either he makes it and they change managers in the off season. Um, that seems more likely to me that he makes it maybe the whole season, but they change before next year. So yes, he makes it to the end, but I don't think he's. I don't think he has much longer, if that makes sense. Man. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. That one's tough, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend because it's it's Manchester United versus Liverpool. So this is going to be a it's going to be interesting to see what Liverpool does to this team if if 
if they blow him out, I really don't think it looks good. If yeah. somehow he pulls off a win, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Right. This is the weekend historically when he pulls off an upset win. Everybody <laughs> yes. goes, this is why we love him. Okay. Yeah. Now, we finish, of course, with the NFL. Of course. And yeah. of course, with the team that you have rooted for your entire life, <laughs> the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to read you. I want to know your favorite Dan Campbell, who is the new coach of the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions are 0-5. Um, 0-6. I have, so I have, I have an observation, and then I, I want to read you three quotes, and I want <laughs> you to tell me which is your favorite, okay? Okay, okay. Here's my observation. Urban Meyer goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they stink up the joint. They've only won one game, and everybody's like, Get that guy out of here. That's not going to last. Dan Campbell goes to the Lions, who have lost every game, and everybody's like, we love this guy. We can't wait to see what he does long term. I would argue it's because essentially, yes, winning is everything, but more and more and more, it's actually important to be good. Mm-hmm. Yep. To be like a great person. Yeah. It's even seeping into the NFL. Yeah. You're losing every game and we love you and we can't wait for you to stick around. This guy's losing slightly less than you. Get him out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very interesting watching um, the NFL really impo- realize how important culture is. And, and not that they didn't realize it before, but like it's becoming really apparent that, yeah. that it's not about... The situation that the Lions are in, their 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 roster is very depleted. The old management really really messed up this team. Um, and Dan Campbell, his job is actually just to bring great energy and yes. great morale and kind of ignite and inspire the fan base and the players. So it's very interesting to watch that it's not about the wins and losses. It's actually about the way he's conducting himself and the way he's behaving, the the kind of culture he's creating. And it's really really it's interesting that this the Lions are zero and six, and this is arguably. This might be the the I mean, other than the the time they went 0 and 16, this might be the worst Lions team I've seen. I mean, this Lions team is really really bad, but it's the best I felt about the Lions in a long time. Right. Yeah. It doesn't feel like losing. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like losing because it doesn't feel hopeless. It that it's it, right. There's there's some passion and there's some like there's some fire and there's there's a there's a there's there's faith in 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 this management and that there's something really profound about that there's a certain energy there's a certain the, energy and there's a certain honesty and, and that's one of the things i love about dan campbell is just how authentic and honest he is and there's something so refreshing about that that's really um the fan base is all behind him even though they're zero and six i think this is one of the most f- compelling professional sports stories in years what's happening right now with lions the fan base and how many people around the whole commentary on the NFL are like talking so positively about the lions first yeah. time to like lose last second, 50 yard field goals to lose. Like they're actually feeling for the lions and rooting for them. And there is this, I've never seen anything like it. I think it's yeah. so wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which of these is your favorite Dan Cramble quote? Dan Cramble <laughs> gets hired by the Detroit lions and in his, introductory press conference says, and I quote, this team is going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? 
And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. Kneecap <laughs> off. All right? <laughs> That's quote number one from Dan Campbell. On the way back up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, which has and, inspired and, its own world of... And the quote even has the quote even has more to it, where he starts going in detail about the biting knee, the kneecaps. And like, for anyone just... For anyone that wants to see the full quote, just look up on YouTube, Dan Campbell kneecap quote. It was instantly iconic, instantly iconic with the fan base. The the kneecaps line will will live forever. It's awesome. <laughs> the greatest script we can give you in this episode is to direct you to Dan Campbell. Okay, quote number two. When asked what he has for drink in the morning. <laughs> have you seen this? I have, yes. Normally what I do is I get two venti. At Starbucks, I get two venti of the pike with two shots in them. So black in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. Then the, then the writer says, according to the popular coffee shop's official website, one venti cup of Pike, Place brew, of Pike Place brew with two shots has approximately 410 milligrams of caffeine. Two cups would mean Campbell is consuming 820 milligrams of caffeine. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome... I mean, that's just awesome on its own. There were, okay. there were people online doing the Dan Campbell challenge where they ordered his <laughs> thing in the morning <laughs> and then they just documented what was happening to them. <laughs> They're like, I've never been this wired. Like, this this can't be healthy. And I got to admit, like, that that quote plus those videos, I was a little concerned because I was like, I love Dan Campbell so much. I actually want him. Right. I, and, and coaching the Lions. I mean, like, the Lions can, can affect your health when you're not taking anything, right. you know? Right. Um, so, like, him coaching the Lions, I'm like, Man, please stay safe and be healthy. Okay, third quote, and I know you know what I'm going to read here. Third Dan Campbell quote. He says, I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but I would love to literally just have a pet lion. <laughs> just a legit pet lion on a chain, a big-ass chain, and he really is my pet. We just walk around the building. We go out to <laughs> practice. We're at 7-on-7. Seven seven. We're behind the kicker when he's kicking. If one of your groups isn't doing well, you could take him over to their section and he could relieve himself right there in the middle of where their section is. Think about it. It would be outstanding. The problem is I don't know if PETA's going to allow that, though. It's going to be hard. <laughs> Believe me, though, we would take great care of it. It would be fed well. It would be petted. It would be manicured. I might, up losing, I might end up losing an arm because of it, but that would be even better because it would validate what... This is a freaking, this is a creature now. This is an animal. This thing, this is from the wild. Oh my gosh. I never heard that full quote. I only heard the beginning of that quote. Thank you. I've never, that, oh my gosh. Um, it might bite my, arm off, bite my arm off, but you know, that would be even better because it oh would validate God. what this thing is. That might, that might be my favorite. That, that third one, I mean, I was, the kneecap one is pretty iconic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that third one might be my favorite. Also, an honorable mention is they before the season, they asked Dan, Dan Campbell what he thought about the roster, and he said, all I know is there's no turds here, man. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. I love... I, I, I have so much love for him. He's the best, and he goes for it every time on fourth down, too. No matter if it's fourth down, he, he just... He goes for it. It's, he's so aggressive. He's just amazing. I love him. I he I want him so badly to be the one that leads leads the Lions to finally to their first Super Bowl. I mean that nothing would be sweeter than that. You know, there's always a sideline discussion that never gets done. 
but there's always that quiet discussion about a, the first team that abandons kicking. Mm. The first team that just is like, forget kicking. We're always going to go for it on fourth down. We're always going to go for two points. He's the first legitimate candidate I could see who's just like, you know what? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, the Lions, the Lions don't have much to lose at this point. Right, like, right. Why not? You, ha- you have to have not much to lose to try. I mean, that's how innovation works. Yeah. Oh, God, that is so much fun. <laughs> there. I think we have adequately shown people what we talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think this the proportions this- of this episode are about true. Yeah, no, this was this was an uh, amazing conversation and just, you know, having a having a normal conversation between us but also having it being recorded and sharing it. Okay, one more thing to wrap it up. You sent me Coldplay gets knocked off right after you and I discussed this. Gets knocked off the number 1 spot by Young Thug's new album Punk. Yep. How unbelievable that you and I had those conversations last week, earlier this week and last week, about that album and about those two albums. And then Young Thug knocks them out of a number one. Yeah, I was I I I I haven't anticipated and been this excited for an album in a while. Um or maybe even ever. I mean, like it's a, Young it's Thug's so good. been teasing this album for like two years and the album genuinely exceeded my already yeah. sky high expectations. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm really kind of, it's just a masterpiece. I, it's just, I, I'm, I'm kind of in disbelief how good and creative and ahead of the head of the game he is. Yeah. Um, and I've just been so happy to see that how much people have been loving it and, and how much that's reflected in, um, how well it's doing. Um, and that, yeah, that's what strikes me is that you, you listen to it. You tipped me to it. We both were like, this album is so great. It's so interesting to me that how many people are like, Young Thug's album Punk is so good. That yeah, is so interesting how many people see how good it is. It's, I mean, it's one of those albums just solidifies someone as one of the best of all time, in, in yeah. my opinion. I just yeah, think yeah. it's, he, he, his discography is already incredible. And then this is like one of his best albums. Um, and it, I've, I'm just listening to it. It's been out a week. The songs are growing on me. I mean, I already love them to start and they're even getting better. It's just, yeah, it's just really, really amazing art being created um you know the uh in england they talk about a song like this one's a grower I feel <laughs> yeah. like that whole album i feel like this one's a grower yeah <laughs> oh thanks so much for coming on the robcast oh it was so much fun thank you uh, I've, uh people have heard this before but all your stuff is trace bell with three l's.com yep. T-R-A-C-E-B-E-L-L-L.com. They can find everything I'm doing. All my classes. I have a new meditation series. Um, they can schedule sessions with me. Um, everything I'm doing is on that site. I love it. I love it. And I assume that um, I'm going to hit stop here. And uh, then I assume I'll go in the house and probably within no time the phone will be on and we'll all be talking on speakerphone <laughs> yep. during the yep. tonight's game or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great talking to you. Obviously, yes, you know I'm so cheering fun. you on. So wonderful. Go Thank Lions. <laughs> Go Lions. All right. And grace and peace to all of you Robcast friends.